0: Cindy Hooper, a veteran of various local, state, and national political campaigns and author of the recent Conflict, African-American Women and the New Dilemma of Race and Gender Politics, is the featured author on this installment of new books in African-American Studies. This is an interview series where writers of African-American life, culture, arts, and sciences discuss their new books. Hello, I'm Vershawn Young, your host, and I hope you stay tuned for this lively exchange with the author. Hi, Cindy.
1: Hi.
0: Today we're talking to Cindy Hooper, who is a veteran of numerous local, state, and national political campaigns and founder of the National Organization for African American Women, headquartered in Washington, D.C., cindy hooper has a master's degree in government from the john hopkins university and is a member of the american political science association today we're talking to cindy about her provocative and informative new book conflict african-american women and the new dilemma of race and gender politics this book was published by prager press in 2012. And we're so delighted to have Cindy on the show today. Can you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay, great. Um, I grew up in Tapanic, Virginia, a small town, centrally located uh, in the state. Um, and that's really where I began writing. And then um, shortly thereafter, uh, I took a government class in high school. And I loved it and fell in love with the whole uh, idea of politics, electoral politics, and uh, I decided to, when I went to college, that I wanted to study political science. So I uh, went to Morgan State University, um, where I did study political science, uh, under the tutelage of the renowned professor, Dr. Rosalind Turburg-Penn, which is, she's one of the nation's foremost researchers and historians when it comes to African American women's history. Uh, so they uh, really began to foster uh, my level of researching and, um, and also uh, the role African-American women had, particularly in electoral politics. Uh, shortly after that, uh, I worked a short stint on Capitol Hill, and I, I also worked in several political campaigns, um, and I decided to go back to graduate school. So I went to Johns Hopkins University, where I studied government under Dr. Benjamin Ginsberg. Um, one of the things I embarked on was my graduate thesis, uh, which was a study of the war on poverty. Um, and uh, it was called an assessment of the war on poverty effort and its impact on economic and social conditions of the current poverty population. Um, and then after that, I worked at several public affairs public affairs firms, including burson Marstella and the American Highway Users Alliance. Since then, I have been teaching on various levels of education, um, teaching history, American Studies, uh, Analytical Reasoning. Um, I also uh, supervise graduate students at George Mason University and Marymount University, who are also embarking on careers in education. Um, I'm a member of a variety of associations, including the American Political Science Association, the National Women's Studies Association, and Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Incorporated. Um, I'm the founder of the NOAW, which is the National Organization for African American Women, whose mission is to attain gender equality, promote issues that promote social change, and to mobilize women to connect with various aspects of social, political, and economic life. Um, and that brings us to my book.
0: Well, um, I, I, what I want to say is that I think that that bio is extremely uh, in-depth. <laughs> I love that <laughs> because it shows that you have not only the... Um, educational background to do the research uh, for for this book, but you have uh, the uh, real-world experience to uh, talk about uh, politics. Yeah. So, yes, can you tell us how you came uh, personally to write this book, Conflict, African-American Women and the New Dilemma of Race and Gender Politics? Uh,
1: the 2008 presidential election was uh, historical on many, many different levels. Um, of course, with the election of the first, uh, president of color, uh, was the whole fight, so to speak, for the Democratic presidential nomination, which, uh, included, uh, the first woman, um, then, um, Senator Hillary Clinton, um, vying, uh, for the presidential nomination against, uh, an African American male candidate. And so um you know the whole context of that contest uh in the beginning Hillary Clinton was the assumed front runner and as president well then senator Obama uh slowly began to gain momentum um after the Iowa caucuses um there were a lot of African American women uh within my circle and beyond who were like wow like we actually have a choice between two of our identities like you know where do we fall you know uh, does it matter um, you know how will it impact how we vote or decide to vote for either candidate so in you know conducting some polls and research um, it was clear in the beginning that the majority of African-American women were supporting Hillary Clinton. But as Barack Obama gained momentum and as African American women shifted their support to Obama's campaign, Hillary Clinton's campaign began to flounder a
0: bit. Now, why so, would they why why did they do that? In in, in other words, African American women, by and large, early on were supporting Hillary Clinton, and and another way to say that, based upon some of the some of the uh, uh, statements that you make in in your book, is that they were um, supporting a woman, and then they shifted to support not just a man, but to support a black man. So they were su- they were supporting some this candidate, perhaps on the basis of race. So why why make that shift?
1: I think it came down to. Um, relatability. Um, I I also think it it came down to um, the whole historical uh, aspect of having a black president, um, something that many people never thought would occur during our lifetime. Um, And I think that people really connected with Michelle Obama, particularly black women. Um, You know, she was dispatched To go across the country and she spoke to millions of black women throughout the various uh, campaign stops that you know she was featured in and black women really seemed to receive her message you know she talked about the issues that you know many black women care about education health childcare things that impact us uh, in ways in which we we feel like we don't hear a lot of mainstream uh, candidates talking specifically to us. And I think that their ability to really reach out and to sort of like speak our language. And when Michelle Obama talks about, you know, uh, when Barack was a community activist and when he was really beginning uh, his political career and she said, I spent so many nights alone. I felt like a single parent. I know how you feel. You know, I've walked in your shoes. I was a working mother, like so many women in this country are. I think that that message resonated. And so I think that helped to transfer uh, a lot of those votes over to Barack Obama. Mm
0: -hmm. You also, in the uh, course of your book, talk about the ways in which Michelle Obama helped to authenticate Barack Obama's blackness uh yes. when his racial authenticity uh came into question yes. how did how did that affect um uh voter choice or women's choice to vote for barack obama
1: i think that was a i think that was a small part of it i think the the, the main thing was that that people really related to michelle obama um they found her extremely likable uh you know she was able to articulate a message uh, that really reached you know african American men and women um it's, but in terms of the authenticity of his uh of his color um I think you know you have some people talking about well she she is you know the descendant of slaves um I, I think it was a small aspect of it um i I think that seeing a a black woman in a position of power um was something that you know many black women took a tremendous amount of pride in um and I, I think those things combined um you know and the fact that you know there would be a black family in the white House you know was something that you know really inspired a lot of black people
0: okay and i'm uh not to get too far ahead in the book, but one of the uh comments that you uh make in the, in the course of the book is that, um, is that about Michelle Obama is that she raised the profile of African American women in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, she's uh, extremely educated, uh, articulate. Uh, she's a powerful speaker. And I think that not just African American women, but women in particular, you know, they find her to be, you know, an an awesome role model. Um, You know, she's she's really really likable. During the 2010 uh, midterm elections, she was dispatched by the Democratic Party primarily to campaign for those Senate candidates uh, who were in those tight races across the country because of her popularity. So I think she's key, you know, in terms of the president's electoral success uh, without question, you know.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about the background uh, that you took into account in order to uh, make some of your claims in the book? For instance, you uh, spend one chapter talking about um, the women's suffrage movement, Mm -hmm. you talk about the civil rights movement. Uh, you even discuss uh, black feminism. Can you talk to us about those historical moments and how they relate to um, African Ameri- contemporary African American women voters?
1: Okay. Um, so uh, let's start with, uh, we go back to the women's suffrage movement. Um, I think that that dynamic is still a work in progress. Um, you know, we, we still have some uh people who were surmised that uh white that that feminism is a white middle class female construct. Um that, you know, um the bridge still needs to be built uh between, you know, um, I guess the priorities of white women and, you know, women of color. Um and I, I think there has been a lot of progress, you know, in those areas. However, uh, I think that's why you know there even was a black feminist movement um now during the early years of you know, the suffrage movement uh much like the civil rights movement, black women were put aside, so to speak, you know i mean literally in some of the women's marches um it, you know black women were told to you can march in the back during the suffrage movement um and Given recently with the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington, you know, I was listening to Julian Bond uh, when he was asked, you know, no women were allowed to speak that day, mm-hmm. um, and 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 he was talking about how Dorothy Height, you know, um, and you know she's one of the, the founders of this whole women's rights movement. Period for women, black or white. Um, and how she still, you know, worked behind the scenes. You know, um, you had uh, Diane March. I mean, it's too many to name women who were uh, crucial, you know, to not only the March on Washington success, but the Civil Rights Movement, period. Um, so, you know, it was good to see on um, this past Wednesday uh, many women, uh, and women of color speaking prominently at the march. So obviously there's been a lot of progress. Um, but, you know, we're still working. I often ask people, okay, we've had the first black male president. Um, who do you think will be president first, uh, a white woman or a black woman? And, you know, most people will will say without question a white woman. And then I will say, um, I think I actually took a poll on this, too, for the NOAW. Um, Who do you think has the best opportunity as a black woman to become president? And without question, overwhelmingly, the response was Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. Well, Michelle Obama is not even an elected official. (laughs) So what does that say (laughs) about our current crop of black female elected officials? Right. there are no black females in the Senate. You know, there are no, there's never been a black female governor. Um, the most recent, uh, black female lieutenant governor was Jennifer Carroll in Florida, but she resigned amid a a controversy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, you know, um, you know, I work closely with Dr. David DeSitis, the joint, uh, center for the, uh, uh, joint center. And, one of the things he was explaining to me that if we look long range, he feels strongly that, uh, Kamala, uh, uh, she's the, uh, attorney general of California. Um, she perhaps is, you know, uh, in the best position to ascend to the governorship of a state as a woman of color. Now she's also, um, uh, East Indian, um, african-american as well um but he feels like she's in the best position uh to 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 make that ascension so i, I still think as far as electoral politics um and and because we we saw those themes in those movements you know black women still weren't at the forefront you know so even with the suffrage movement the civil rights movement and even if you look at the current state of electoral politics for black women, we're still lagging behind because in terms of the African American electorate, we are the majority. Mm-hmm. Okay. So but um you know our representation is not reflected in the same way.
0: So let me ask you what you hope your book will accomplish uh for readers. What what is it just to inform us do you want us readers to do something different? What do you hope will come about from your uh, by having your book read and 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 being out there, so to speak?
1: Well, I'm hoping that it would have been a catalyst for change, in the sense that you know uh, I have some chapters in there that uh, in which you know I, I talk about ways in which we can um, get more. African American women to to run for elective office, um, that was that's big for me. I, I feel like you know, um, you know, African Americans. Period. You know, we need to be represented more. You know, on the you know local, state, and national level of the politics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, I don't think that um, that you know that we should be satisfied with just having. You know, um, our president, you know, um, you know, he needs support, too, in Congress and in the Senate. And if he tries to, you know, pass his, his legislation and um, get his agenda through for the next three years or so. So, you know, I, that that was big for me to and I also wanted, you know, in informing people that, you know, hey, you know, these are the areas, you know, in which. We really need to focus on my hope was that it would in the end um, uh, result in more people being elected uh, to office, you know who look like us mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. now let me ask you a controversial question about your book mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. you make a very um direct statement about high-profile women in the 2008 campaign and uh, most people will recall the prominent women Hillary Clinton uh, Michelle Obama as uh, you know the president's uh, uh, I mean the the presidential candidate's wife and possibly the first lady if he wins and Sarah Palin but your statement is and let me find it to quote it directly (laughs) Uh, Hang on one second. Hillary Clinton is and always will be a phenomenal woman. Sarah Palin was comical, and the act hasn't stopped. Now you know a lot of people will disagree with you about Sarah Palin.
1: Okay. Well, okay. Was well, was that in the book? That's in the book. Really? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's in my in my edition. It's page ninety nine, chapter twelve.
1: Okay, because um uh,
0: ninety nine.
1: Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, These are quotes that were um, written by respondents to our uh, surveys. So we asked them to write, and they they were all women of color, to write their comments in terms of reflecting on the prominent women in the campaign.
0: You know what? You just cleared it up for me. <laughs> Although I like the statement. <laughs>
1: well, you know, it's it's very interesting about Sarah Palin. Um, I gave a lecture at Edgewood Ed College last year uh, during the uh, time of the presidential election. And I asked the audience, I said, um, who can tell me who, which woman has gotten more votes than any other woman in history? In the United States, in electoral politics,
0: uh-huh.
1: everybody's giving an incorrect answer. Correct answer is Sarah Palin. Mm. You know, because she went past Hillary Clinton when she was on the ballot with John McCain, and even though they didn't win, you know, um, she still garnered uh, I think it was like somewhere in them, like thirty million votes or something like that. But um, she actually is the standard bearer for that you know, in electoral politics, so it is Sarah
0: Palin. <laughs> people are like, wow. But uh, it's, it's not an uncommon belief um, among, I don't want to say African-Americans because I, I, because I know a number of people um, who think that um, Sarah Palin was not a serious candidate um, okay. for that office, and as a matter of fact, it, it, when, I remember after she gave her first debate, even people in the Republican Party were calling for her to resign um, because she did so horribly. So it's not, even though that's not, those are not your words, it's not a, uh, a, it's not an uncommon belief that one of the the survey participants, um, what the survey participant uttered.
1: Yeah, I I wanted, and the reason why I include it in the book, uh, because I wanted to include you know, um, the the thoughts of if, as many women as I could because I knew that they were, you know, they were varied. Um, and, and so I wanted to include that, you know, in the context of the book so people can see the full range of where we are and how we think and how we were reflecting on that whole phenomenon during the campaign. But uh, I just looked it up. She, Sarah Palin got 60 million votes as the vice-presidential candidate in 2008, so she is the standard bearer uh, to Hillary Clinton's approximately $20 million or so um, during the Democratic primaries and caucuses.
0: Okay. At this point, we'd, we'd like to hear a little bit of the book. Would you mind reading a passage or two for us?
1: Sure. All right. Today, African-American women can stand proudly on the legacy of millions of humanists. Men, women, and even children of various races and ethnicities who laid the groundwork for the world that many have the opportunity to thrive in today. Grateful for the sacrifices and the trailblazing that would have prevented any of us in this current day from living the exuberant lives that are led in this new millennium, we pay homage to the indebtedness of so many throughout our history. The new millennium black woman has vast amounts of opportunity that her forebearers could only imagine. Black women are the chief executive officers of Fortune 500 companies, mayors of major cities, Nobel Prize winners, Olympic gold medalists, and now a black woman stands tall as the first lady of the United States. The world has changed dramatically since the first Africans were brought to the shores of America there are black women in positions of power and influence that their ancestors could only dream of. For the first time in history, the First Lady of the United States is an African-American woman. Oprah Winfrey, media mogul and one of the most influential and wealthiest people on the planet, is an African-American woman. African-American women are now in power positions to influence not only this nation, but also the world. When Forbes announced the 25 power women of the 2010 midterm elections, Michelle Obama was the only African-American woman on the list. She campaigned for numerous Democratic Party candidates during the midterm election season, including in key battleground states. In some cases, she became a bigger draw on the campaign trail than the president, hosting events that outsold other events Hosted by her president husband. The new millennium black woman has definitely arrived to embrace a new diaspora. Being socialized in a patriarchal society, the selfless humanity of the African American woman has her routinely putting everyone else's priorities above hers. Black women have had to maneuver between both of their racial and gender identities for centuries within the legal and political landscape since the American legal system both perpetuated and sanctioned racism and
0: sexism. Very excellent. Thank you. And I have a sense of, of how this book uh, reads because it is uh, very well written. Uh, can you tell us what you're working on now, uh, the work that we can look forward to?
1: Um, uh, actually, I'm... Given consideration, uh, in, uh, continuing the, the whole, uh, context of, uh, African American women, uh, in electoral politics, um, I am, um, very interested in what happens, uh, as far as the development of the 2016 presidential campaign, uh, if any women of color will emerge. I know we're, hear, we're hearing the rumblings of uh, Hillary Clinton uh, emerging again, um, again as the presumptuous front runner. Um, but I'm curious to see as, as far as if you know uh, some newcomers uh, come forward. Um, There's Donna Edwards uh, in Maryland, um, the first black female to represent Maryland in Congress, um, you know, if, if these women emerge, um, will they, you know, uh, ascend uh, to uh, any sort of um, on start for a presidential campaign or are they being seriously considered as uh, vice presidential candidates? Uh, I, I really want to continue the
0: research
1: uh, and the advocacy. You know, in that
0: area. Thank you so much, Cindy. We yes. look forward to that uh, new work and thank you for joining us on new books in African American Studies. You've been listening to a discussion with Cindy Hooper about her new book, Conflict African American Women and the New Dilemma of Race and Gender Politics, published by Prager Press in 2012. If you haven't already, go out and get your copy today.